Hey there, Redcoat here, lead designer and producer for the company Vernacular Games. We're a small indie development company looking to uh, get a little more visibility out there. So I'm here with a few of our core members. So hey, if you guys would like to introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Dragon Coder, uh, programmer and designer for Vernacular Games. And I'm Santir, technical director for Vernacular Games. So, Vernacular Games is about three things. We want to make games that we want to play, first and foremost. Second, we want to try and make opportunities for, you know, different developers to get their feet wet, you know, cut their teeth on a few projects. And uh, thirdly, we want to try and run ourselves efficiently as a company. And that last one's pretty hard, but it's important. So... Let's uh, get started with some questions. Seeing as this is our first podcast, uh, we're going to do some introductory ones. So our first question is, why did any of us become developers? It's an important question to ask yourself whenever you start on a new endeavor, such as starting a game company. So why did I become a developer? Uh, Redcoat, by the way. I got into this because it was way back in middle school, I was really into video games. Like, this was a huge thing for me. I moved around a lot. I didn't really have that many friends, or many close friends, I should say. So, I just played a lot of games, and they affected affected my life quite a bit. And in middle school, I just started drawing up levels on my own time, and I eventually realized that I was doing that, and I decided hey, this might not be such a bad thing to try and do. So uh, I started studying a lot, just trying to play as many games as I could, learn a few things about music and gameplay and design. And uh, after a few years of high school and college, I eventually got to where I am now. So, Dragon Coder, what inspired you to get into game development? Well... To be honest, Redcoat, my story is very similar to yours. I grew up, young kid, attracted to video games, uh, but instead of spending my time drawing out levels or anything of that sort, I was attracted more to maths and sciences. And as I entered high school, I was drawn a lot to computer programming. Uh, That led me to discover DigiPen, and the rest, as they say, is kind of history. Um, what made me become more of a designer was actually you, Redcoat, giving me a design test one day was while cleaning my apartment. Um, That's a really fun little yeah. bit there. But, oh, yeah, continue. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, that's pretty much it. it you know, the rest, as they say, is kind of history. So, Sintir, how about you? What made you become a developer? Well, like uh, both of you, I got into games fairly early, and I liked them. Uh, and as I got into, oh, towards the end of elementary school, beginning of middle school sort of area, uh, got into programming, simple programming, and of course, what was I going to do but make really simple games? And uh, so I got into programming that way, and I learned about DigiPen uh, from Nintendo Power Magazine, and I uh, went to one of their summer workshops. I was like, oh, this is great. And so I decided to go there, and that's where I completed learning my computer programming. So, on to the next question. So, I wanted to ask each of the guys about 
their gaming influences. And being one of the guys, I will ask myself first. <laughs> so, a lot of the games that I played over the years were fighting games, oddly enough. Even though I moved around and have that many friends, I had a big brother who liked to, well, fight me. Not necessarily in the physical sense. No, that was more me. But, uh... We played a lot of Tekken together, actually. Uh, we didn't play at a high level. We didn't know how to do those, you know, 10-hit combos or those super crazy juggles that take away 75% of your life. But one of the things that I really loved about the game was the the character that was in all of the characters. They all were unique in how they moved, um, how they did things, and let's be honest, 105 moves per character. That's a ton to remember, but uh, there was some really fun stuff. I mean, Lei Wulan being Jackie Chan. Ah, I love it. Anyway, Namco actually defined a lot of my um, early fighting game years. I didn't get into later game. Well, I didn't get into Capcom games until a lot later. I mean, I played Children of the Atom and, you know... Uh, Street Fighter versus Capcom, well, Street Fighter versus Marvel superheroes, and then Marvel versus Capcom and all of the stuff that came there. Uh, but Third Strike was definitely the one that I really got into the 2D fighters on. That and Guilty Gear. But that's another story. Uh, as far as other influences are concerned, I also really, really liked Zone of the Enders as a 3D kill the crap out of everything around you with special weapons and being in zero-g and all sorts of fun things in that game uh, i mean hideo kojima you knocked it out of the park on that game i still love it uh and i know a lot of people wanted to see number three but that's you know another thing we can always imagine how perfect it would be <laughs> But that was definitely a, a big influence. I loved the freedom in that game, and that's something that I wanted to bring into uh, anything that I make. I want to make sure that the player can be that creative and free. Which brings me to one of my other big influences, which is the Devil May Cry series. Uh, Devil May Cry 1, we don't talk about number 2. Uh, Devil May Cry 3... Um, those are the two primary ones. I mean, four was good, but it was more of more of what three was. And of course, we can't talk about Devil May Cry without talking about Bayonetta. You know, saying uh, saying develop well, not developer, but saying head designer on that product, and you can see it all over the thing. But um, that is a game that is all about the player's ability to just be stylish and do things in their own way, um, and also is a little bit difficult and makes you really want to try and be good at the game. So, uh, to uh, end it all off, those games in particular, um, you know, I like fighting things, I like being stylish, and I like being free. And that's a lot of the things that I want to try and bring to uh, bring to the games that I built. So, uh, Dragon Coder, what were your earlier influences? So, a lot of my earlier gaming influences. Uh, it was a lot of the Square Enix JRPG catalog, you know, Final Fantasy, although the real gem that stands out for me is Legend of Dragoon. Not only did it have you know, a lot of the Final Fantasy elements and the story that goes with a lot of those, but it had a very active combat system where you had to be paying attention to what was going on. To me, I've 
still think it's kind of one of the understated gems of that era, like the early PlayStation JRPG era. Um, however, a lot more of my recent stuff that I've been playing a lot more recently and is influencing what I've been trying to design and program and such, uh, been a lot more of the roguelike games that are coming out, you know, the uh, Binding of Isaac, Rogue Legacy, games of that sort where it's you know, a lot more procedural generation and a lot more just keep on trying and learning the skill of playing the game until you can do it well. And that's about it. Yeah, that's... I guess I have less of a gaming influence than Redcoat. So how about you, Sintir? Uh How are your gaming influences? Well, for me, a lot of the early games that I have, well, they've had some background influence on me. Uh, I played a lot of, for example, the ID Software shooters, um, Sonic the Hedgehog, things like that. Uh, what's really influenced me from a uh, what I'm looking for from games as well as from a what I want to make in games sense have been more recent uh, games that I've played. Um, Starting uh, the, chronologically, the, the first of these would be uh, StarCraft Brood War, which is the first game that I really got into modding with, and that sort of behind-the-scenes thing was an area where I first really got to flex my game design muscles, and uh, I really enjoyed that sort of process there, as well as the way that um, those sort of single, shorter-form games work, uh, where uh, the when you just start up a game of that, it it has a certain duration the way that plays out is something that uh, has had a bit of an impact on some of my thinking for other things um, moving on from there Guild Wars 1 is probably one of the more influential games uh, that I've played um, the build system and the way that it handles leveling and character progression in that game is very is something that's had a lot of influence on me as well as some of the other things that they do with uh, regards to uh, loot and, and things like that and then uh, tying that into the next game, uh, the way that it handles player failure, the ne- next one that I want to talk about is Dark Souls, both of them ha- handle player failure in an organic way that is part of the game. This is something actually that's kind of part of StarCraft as well. If you lose, game over, that's it. Um, and in, in these sorts of games, player failure isn't uh, a quick save, quick load solution. It's not, that's not how it's handled. And I find those sorts of solutions very jarring, ones that are like, Okay, well, you failed. Here's a menu. Try again. Um, load your last save. Uh, it, it just they strike me the wrong way. And and Dark Souls has definitely had a large influence on me, particularly when it comes to things like level design, as well to some extent how bosses and, and that sort of thing are handled as well. And uh, mo- moving on from there, uh, I want to talk about Magic: The Gathering. Uh, that game has had a, a huge impact on, on a lot of my thought processes about game design and that sort of thing, not just from the game itself, uh, though there's a lot to learn there, but more from the extended community, especially the head designer, Mark Rosewater, who has made an absolutely enormous amount of material on game design. Uh, he's had an article that he's written for many, many, many years, uh, well on a decade now, I think, uh, and then he also has a lot of other stuff that he, he does to communicate with the player base. He has... Uh, Tumblr, where he answers questions, he does a podcast, that sort of thing. So he has disseminated a lot of information, and I've been able to learn a lot of things vicariously from him, and that's something that I really appreciate as well. So those are kind of the the games that, in my mind, uh, have had the biggest influences on me, both for what I'm looking for from a game, uh, for example, are uh, modular pieces, that something that Magic 
and Guild Wars 1 in particular share, uh, as well as what sort of games I want to make. So that's, that's kind of how I sum up my, my major influences. So, with that, I'd like to get to our last question. Uh, it's uh, what each of us would like to do in the industry moving forward as developers. So, myself, uh, I don't have too many big aspirations. I mean, obviously, I want to make games that I'd enjoy. So, there's a few big titles that I'd like to make, um, which I'll probably keep under my hat for a little bit. But a lot of the things that I want to do, I want to make games that um, do engender a lot of freedom. I want to try and push a few of the boundaries in some of my more uh, treasured genres. Um, I definitely want to try and attack the fighting game genre and try and put try and change a few things there. Um, well, at least play around a little bit there. Um, I also want to do some things in the more customizable uh, customizable areas. Because um, although back in my influences, I didn't say this, um, Armored Core was a big game for me, and uh, I do want to see more games that have. Maybe not that level of complexity in the customization, but certainly that level of um, effective customizability. Stuff that actually affects your gameplay and makes you really own it as yours. Anyway, that's some of the stuff I want to do. The other thing I want to do is I want to give people the opportunity to get in. um, You know, I want to let people get their experience as that's something I ran into a lot when I was out there trying to you know make a buck it was just no one would really take a guy who didn't have any experience so you know uh, like the immortal bust of rhymes if you ain't gonna be a part of the greatest you might as well be the greatest yourself not that I am no but uh, I still like the quote anyways Dragon Coder what do you got to say on this? So my plans for game development in the future, you know, I obviously have the several game ideas that I'm wanting to keep, you know, a bit more secret for now. Uh, most of them aren't quite fully formed, but there are a couple of trends in what I want to try and do. There's the idea of what music and gameplay can do influencing each other. Um, there's obviously the, you know, games like Rock Band and Guitar Hero, that you know, you're playing songs. Uh, but, you know, there's, I think there's more to it. You know, there's been a couple of more recent games like Portal 2 or uh, Distance which have your, what you do in the game influences the soundtrack. And you know, wanted to see if maybe, you know, what's happening in the soundtrack can influence gameplay things of that nature. Um, also, experiment, exploring the ideas of what it means to have player agency and player choice and decisions that influence how the game progresses and how the story unfolds and stuff like that. So, Santir, uh, how about you? Is there anything that you're wanting to try and do with game development in the future? Well, yes, there are things that I'd like to do. Uh, of course, I have games that I want to make as well. Um, I don't feel quite so needy to keep them under hat. Um, uh, just briefly, um, I want to make a game that uses kind of a combination of the, the Guild Wars sort of build system and sort of Dark Souls otherwise in terms of uh, character um, 
mechanics in terms of combat and that sort of thing. Uh, the other thing that I, I really want to see more of and really want to make a sci-fi version of is 4X games, um, you know, the Civilization games, those are those sort of games that are in that, and simulation games. I... I kind of want more of the empire management depth that sim games could bring, but I want more of a target goal, right? Because a lot of sim games are... They kind of don't have an endpoint. They're there to be a, a playground where you build and build and build, and then you just kind of either reach a point where you're just making natural disasters happen for lack of anything else to do, or... Um, you know, they, they tend to be a lot more ephemeral that way. And... I I really like the idea of what those two sort of genres could bring to each other, uh, where you have less of... I I feel like a lot of 4X games focus very heavily on the military aspect of the game, and it, it makes a lot of sense, but in in that way, I kind of don't feel like I'm managing an empire so much as it's just a slow RTS, um, a turn-based RTS game, which obviously destroys that acronym, but... I, I want something that can kind of fit in between those. So that's something that I'd, I'd like to explore. And like I said, I'd like to explore kind of a 4X game, uh, somewhat influenced by uh, the Frokosigan Saga by uh, Lois McMaster Bejeweled, uh, for those who might be familiar with that. But moving away from, from games in particular, uh, in terms of specific games, there are, there are some mechanics that really interest me. Uh, I'm particularly interested in more dynamic storytelling in games. Uh, our game storytelling is either very, very minimal, uh, Mario games, for example, that are just a framing device, more or less, um, or they they borrow more heavily from other forms of storytelling, uh, even something that has choices like the Bioware games, infamously, or famously, or however you want to define them, have you know, a lot of different choices about what you can do, but they are intrinsically telling a specific story. And what I want to do is make games where the story is not specific, where it's more dynamic, where it more is more organic, where it grows out of the processes. Uh, for example, imagine you are effectively playing the story of a unit in a grand RTS sort of game. Um, something that where the world around you is... It's been seeded by the developer... And it grows under the developer supervision in terms of algorithms and all that sort of thing. But each player has an individualized story. This is something that I really uh, have enjoyed about 4X games or RTS games in the past. Uh, one thing that's really neat to me is when people do historical sort of write-ups of, say, their game of Civilization. And they're like, here is the history of what happened. And it really takes on a life of its own. And you have this world that's taking on a life of its own, and I'd like to explore that in other genres. So that's something that, that to me, is, is really interesting. Also, the concept of um, how information is passed around to the player. Uh, one of the things that bothers me is when you talk to an NPC, and it's like, oh, here's the specific thing that you need to know for your quest, or I just say hello, or whatever. And you see that all the time in RPGs, where... Most of the NPCs don't have a whole lot of information you really care about. And so I'm really interested in, in sort of AI systems for distributing information, where you talk to a character and you can be like, hey, I'm looking for shopping. And they're like, oh, well, here's where the blacksmith is, or hey, there's no shopping around here. This is no middle of nowhere. But there's a caravan that goes around. Maybe you can catch up with them. They're here two days ago. And, and they left this direction. And maybe you can catch up with a caravan. Maybe something's happened to the caravan, maybe not. But 
the sort of idea of how information propagates through interactable entities is something that interests me a, a great deal as well. Um, as, as well as, um, this is kind of a break from that, but more complex AI systems for uh, strategic games. Uh, Pokemon is, is a game that I've enjoyed quite a bit, particularly the competitive aspect of it. And thinking about how to turn that very human process of decision-making into something that the AI can kind of do, where you have to worry about hidden but not entirely unknown information. So systems that deal with that, too, are something that that are very interesting to me and I'd like to be able to explore as well. So those are some of the things that I'd like to accomplish. And so uh, that was our last question uh, for today. We're going to try and do these podcasts a little more regularly just as a part of our Make People Know About Us uh, movement. But, uh, yeah, that's the introduction to Vernacular Core. Uh, moving forward, we're going to try and talk about various elements of video games, uh, some in the current, some in the past, and various subjects from a developer perspective. Now, granted, we're not AAA, but that's a part of the whole deal. Uh, we're more of an indie group, so we're going to have a slightly different view on these things, and certainly a lot of different ideas on what risks could be taken uh, and ways to approach those different risks Uh so with that, uh, I'd like to let the guys say their goodbyes, and we'll be signing off here in a few seconds. Catch you next time at Internet. This is Dragon Coder signing out. Farewell, everyone. Take care, and have a good whatever time of day it is for you. <laughs> that was Santa over there. And uh, this is Redco signing off.